Hey, I had a real good week this week. If you were here Wednesday night, and man, I'm telling you, if you are missing out on Wednesday nights, you are missing out. We had an incredible service again Wednesday night. Um, a little over 300 here, I think, was the, the estimate. And so it was just an awesome service, and um, we appreciate everyone who uh, came. This coming Wednesday night is a move service where the teams are in here, and Pioneer Club's in the gym, and, and the pastors will be teaching uh, in the rooms down in uh, just all around, but it was a great week because I became a grandfather this week. We had all been waiting on this, and there she is, little Emma Kate, seven pounds, 11 ounces, so I'm going to nickname her Slurpee because she's 7-11, and, uh, and her mom drank Slurpees a whole big bunch, and, uh, but anyway, she is just absolutely precious, and I'm pretty sure she's going to be in church today, and I'm just thrilled not our church, but the church where Byron is serving at. So I'm just thrilled uh, and excited about that. Well, today I want to talk to you about what we're going to call the distracted warrior. The distracted warrior. I'm amazed at how many of us get easily distracted. Remember the one Sunday I, I took my shoes off and I preached without my shoes on? And I, and I had, and I didn't know this, but I had two pairs of socks, or I had two pairs. I had two different kinds of socks on. I, I had one, so they were both black socks, and that is really all that matters to me at the time I get up and put my socks on on Sunday morning. But one sock was just solid black, and one had that gold toe thing to it. And I was amazed how many of you came up to me and said, Pastor, I couldn't concentrate on the sermon because of that sock. And I just thought, well, if it means that much to you, you can take it home with you, you know. And I, I just don't get it. You know, when we move stuff around on stage, you know, kind of distract some people. I don't get that. And, and then when we move chairs around, and we are playing with the chairs, we don't apologize for that. But I'm amazed how many people kind of get distracted because I'm not sitting in my seat. Can I remind you, you don't have a seat, all right? They, uh, nobody's got a plaque on anything uh, except for Corbett and Joe because they passed away. But there's no plaques around here saying anything. Man, it is just like, and I'm amazed at how many of us lose our focus. So this morning I want to talk to us about a distracted warrior. Have you ever noticed, guys, and just amen here, ladies, you may want to amen here, that when your warrior princess starts talking around the house, Somehow, sometimes, guys, we have trouble focusing, don't we? Amen? I mean, we're there with about the first two sentences, and then we realize that this is going to a topic of non-interest to us. And we have this wonderful ability to look at you in the eye, to watch your lips move, but it comes in our ears, blah, blah, blah. Then we are thinking about something three continents away. And then our wives say those dreaded words, are you listening to me? And God has given us men, most of us anyway, this wonderful spiritual gift to recall the last five words our wives said so we can spout it out back to her and go, see, I am listening. <laughs> We're easily distracted, aren't we? I cannot sit in the back of a church. Uh, some of you like the back of the church, and that's why I just get distracted. You know, some Sundays when I'm not preaching and we have a guest speaker, I'll sit in the back, and, and I'll notice some people start to look down, and I'll go, well, what are they looking at, you know? And it's just like, 
You know, people are kind of, the woman digging in her purse. I'm going, well, I wonder what she's getting out of there, you know? And it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? And if it's easy to get distracted when, and lose our focus when we're in a situation that demands our focus and, and we're trying to focus, how much easier is it to lose focus and to get distracted when we kind of let our guards down? So today we're going to continue the series called Warrior. And we want to remember to keep the principles that every warrior has a cause to fight for. And the sad thing is, is that too many warriors lose important battles in their life because they get slightly distracted and those slight distractions start translating into steps away from God. And pretty soon, they've taken a lot of steps away from God and it all started because they got slightly distracted. So I, what I want you to do is turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And I kind of want us to follow along. I write to you fathers because I have, you have known him from the beginning. I write to you young men because you're strong. And, and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. John is writing, and I'm going to paraphrase it just a little bit. He's writing to dads and giving them counsel and then he's writing to the young warriors because you're strong. The word of God lives in you. You've overcome the evil one. He's saying, hey, guys, you're on track. You're working hard. You're strong in the Lord. You're growing in faith. And, and there's many battles that you're facing. There's many battles that you fought that you won. And John is going, I commend you for that. Way to go, men. Way to go, young and old warriors. Way to fight. Way to be true. Way to stay on task. Way to stay focused. Way to stay driven. Way to go, guys. And then you get to verse 15, and he says, don't love the world. It's like, man, his tone just takes a 180-degree turn. He goes from the rah, rah, rah of verse 14 to a direct kind of, all right, sit up and listen, don't love the world. Matter of fact, don't love anything in the world because if you love the world, then you don't love the Father. Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying this thing of focus is so important because where you focus is where your treasure is going to be. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. And guys, where you focus will soon become the treasure of your heart. 30 years ago, almost, in a couple of months, Terry and I will have had our first date. Man, she became my focus. She became my treasure. You know how that works, don't you guys? What you focus on, and if you get distracted from it, then you're going to be in trouble. Look at verse 15, it says, don't love the world, anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. By the way, you don't have to be a Greek scholar to understand what the Bible is saying there in English, Greek, Spanish, Portuguese, or anything else. It just simply means if your affections are on the thing of the world, you cannot love the things of God. That's hard stuff, isn't it? Because what most of us warriors want to do is we want to love God on Sunday and then we want to love our world on Monday. We live in this distracted realm. 
Men, you can be incredibly on track in pursuing God, and all of a sudden you can ever be so slightly distracted, and before long you can fall head over heels in love with the things of this world, the things that do not last. And he unpacks that, he unpacks this for us in verses 16 and 17. Notice what he said. He said, for everything that is in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and has done comes not from the Father, but from this world. And the world and its desires, what? What? Pass away. This world and every desire you have, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it does what? Passes away. It doesn't last. But the world and its desires pass away. But the man of God who does the will of God, what? Lives forever. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to translate this. If I want to enjoy life, if I want to embrace all that God has for me, I can't get distracted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those things don't last. But if I want to build my life on something that's eternal, something that's true, something that's honest, something that's right, and something that will last, then I got to keep my focus clearly on Jesus Christ. Amen? For everyone in the world... Or for everything in the world. The cravings of the sinful man. The lust. I, I kind of like the way the King James writes verse 16. Kind of gives us three distinct little categories. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. And so as we look at this passage. You need to understand that God has a heavenly cause for you. You're a warrior with a cause. But if you're not careful, you'll get ever so slightly distracted. You get ever so slightly distracted. Have you ever tried to teach children? Have you ever noticed if there's a distraction in the room, their attention immediately goes to the distraction. And then you got to spend about two or three minutes reeling them back in, don't you? It's just a slight distraction. It wasn't a bad distraction. It was just a distraction. You can't compete with a distraction. Kids normally flow to the distraction. Why do spiritually we flow to the distraction? Why spiritually is it easy for us to lose focus and to let our eyes flow and shift and slightly roam to the distractions? I want you to write this down in your bulletin and it's going to come up on the screen. A distracted warrior, a distracted warrior abandons his heavenly post in pursuit of an earthly kingdom. And there's a lot of guys, a lot of men, a lot of warriors in our church. You've done just that. You've abandoned the call of God. You've abandoned his leading, his will, his purpose, your giftedness, what God has empowered you through the Holy Spirit to be able to do to add value to the, to the body of, of Christ through this local church, Kirby Church. And, and, and you just have lost that focus. By the way, this is what will happen over and over again to a spiritual warrior. He'll abandon his heavenly post, his divine cause, and instead of living for things above and things that'll last, he'll, he'll live for things below and things that'll fade away. In fact, Paul was talking to Timothy when he said this. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, he said, No one serving as a soldier, and you can insert warrior, gets involved with civilian affairs. 
He, the soldier, he, the warrior, wants to please his commanding officer. That is strong stuff. He's saying you're a soldier. You're trained. You don't get distracted by civilian affairs. You don't worry about what's going on in IBM world today. You're a soldier. You've got a mission to carry out. You've got a mission to execute. You've got a mission to perform. Stay on task. Focus on the mission. You ever been to churches where everybody kind of wants to mess in everybody else's business? Now, by the way, and I'm sure that goes on in our church as well, but, but man, we don't have a lot of that. And, and if you're kind of known for that, we just kind of try to root it out of you or root you out of here. I, I'll be honest. Why? Because we've got a mission. And we don't have time. We're not going to live long enough to be distracted to do what everybody else wants to do. We've got to stay on the task, on the purpose, on the mission that God has given us. And we don't have time to get involved in the pettiness of, uh, of, of non-missional events. We've got to stay on task. So no one serving as a warrior gets involved again. But so often we truly desire for those of you who are, disciple Jesus, who are disciples of Jesus, we want to please him, don't we? But we can get so distracted. And it's amazing how even though we started off on track, 2 John 2.14, and we're progressing well, we, we can just get slightly off. And then we take another step that's slightly off, and another step that's slightly off. And another step that's slightly off. And it's just little steps. They're not major steps, but they're just little steps. And all of a sudden, these little steps take us away from the center of where we should be. No one. Stay on, path, stay on task. Stay on, on purpose. We are so easily distracted by the things of this world. I want you to follow along in 1 John chapter 2, and I kind of want you to kind of work with me here on that. Why is, it, why is it that way? Why are we easily distracted? Guys, I want to specifically talk to guys. Now, now, women won't get this, but guys will get this. My wife is not very competitive. I mean, if and she wants the kids to win, but she wants everybody to have a good time and all sing kumbaya. And, and if the boys are playing basketball, football, soccer, whatever they were playing in the day, you know, as long as everybody got okay and everybody got a few hits and it was just fun and she could talk to her friends, then it was a good day. No, it's not. We got to win. Amen, guys. Talk at the mall, baby. This is soccer. We're going to win right here, you know. Amen. Because see, guys, there's something in us. There is something in us. We, we want to keep score, don't we? We want to win. We want to progress. We want to be the first ones done. Byron, when he was in elementary school, and he was supposedly a bright kid. And, and he would bring work home that 
He knew, I knew he knew the right answers, meth and, and that kind of thing. I knew he knew the right answers. I said, Byron, I know you know the right answers. Why? You know, he says, Daddy, if I don't just hurry and do it, I won't be the first one done. I mean, these are just, you're doing homework in class. There's not a time limit on this thing. You don't get an extra bag of potato chips at lunch for being the first one done. But in his little mind, he made it a competition. And he would rather be wrong and be the first one done. I say, I want you to be both. Get it right, then be the first one done, amen. There's something in us that wants to, wants to conquer. We, we want to win. We, we keep score, you know. We want to know how we're progressing. Am I winning? Am I losing? How am I doing? For example, you won't see a man home come. This just doesn't happen because it just doesn't. Ladies, have you ever seen your husband come home one day from work and go, Woohoo, honey, I got an award today. I got a spiritual award because it's easier in the worldly realm to keep track of the score than it is the spiritual realm, isn't it? In the, in the earthly realm, you, you do it by money and material and things that you have and possessions. But in the spiritual realm, man, it's kind of hard to keep scoring to know who's winning and, and what's going on. But have you, you know, this guy ever, nobody ever comes home, no husband ever comes home from work and says, oh, honey, I got me an award today. I was, vo- I was voted most humble by my, by my colleagues. And I'm proud of it, honey, let me tell you. Oh. You come home from life group. Oh, honey, you should have seen me at the men's group. They asked me to do a closing prayer. After I praised, the guy voted. The guys all gathered around and voted. I got a 9.25 on my closing prayer. Best I've ever done is an 8.5, but honey, I got a 9.25. I really think I've got 9.55 potential. We don't do that. See, It's easy to get distracted in the earthly realm because it's easier to keep score in the earthly realm. It's easy to kind of take those steps to those things that we can chart, calculate, score, write down. But you keep score in the earthly realm, man, you're going to go farther and farther away from God. Let's break it down. I want to show you three common tactics of the devil. First of all, the first one is found in verse 16, and, and, and we'll use the King James, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and, and the pride of life. In fact, if you look at Satan's attacks against the greatest warrior who ever lived, Jesus Christ, on the Mount of Temptation, he did the same thing with Jesus. The same thing. Matter of fact, he's going to do the same thing with you. I guarantee you every temptation you face can be lumped in one of these three categories, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, and it's sin. Jesus, when he was on the the Mount of Temptation, is arid, just kind of, and Bible scholars believe that this was kind of where it was on the the top of that thing, no vegetation, no nothing, just arid and dry and, and hot. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he hadn't eaten anything, so he's hungry. And the devil said, hey, if you're truly the son of God, to command these breads to be made stone, the lust of the flesh, to fulfill the desire of the flesh, to become, to fulfill the di- desire of, of food. And so he attacked, he attacked him. He attacked him on this desire 
of the flesh. And then he also did the pride of life thing. You know, he, he, he took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and said, hey, if you bow down, if you'll just bow down, you see all of this, you see all the kingdoms of the world, I'll give it to you completely. It's all yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. And then he took him to the edge of the cliff, and that was the pride of life. And he took him to the edge of the cliff, and he said, listen, just throw yourself off the the, the edge of the cliff, and if you do, angels will come down from heaven before your foot even dashes against the rock, and all will know that you are God and bow down and worship you. Just do it. You ever been goaded into something because somebody said, just do it? Satan doesn't really, men, he doesn't really have any new tactics. Still today, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you see that this is the way that, that he attacks us today. And so, I just kind of want to talk to us which distraction is the most dangerous for you right now. Which distraction, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life is the most dangerous for you right now? Which one of those broad categories do you struggle with? Let's look at each one very quickly. The first one is the lust of the flesh, and it means more than this. It's encompassing. It means more than this, but for our purposes today, I want to talk about sexual lusts. The lusts of the flesh, sexual lusts, because so many spiritual warriors fall into temptation that destroy them and many people around them. Listen, guys, if you are battling this right now, if you are battling with sexual sin, you're not alone. But as long as you try to handle it alone, you are not going to defeat it. Some of the greatest warriors in the Bible have struggled with this stain of sexual sin. Remember the story of King David? David and Bathsheba? Yeah, it just kind of goes together. Samson and Delilah. I mean, it, here are these stories of these great men of God who struggled in this area of lust of the flesh. Matter of fact, just real quickly, let me tell you the story of 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, in the spring, when the times of the king go off the war, David sent Joab, that was his like king, uh, chief of staff, or um, joint chiefs of staff, out with the kings of the men and the whole Israelite's army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rahab. But David remained in Jerusalem. David was not where he was supposed to be. All everybody was everybody that was out fighting the war. David stayed in Jerusalem. In other words, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Therefore, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, which led him to think something he wasn't supposed to think, which led him to do something he wasn't supposed to do, which led him to lose something that he was never supposed to lose. All because he got slightly distracted. He abandoned his heavenly post and pursued something deadly and dangerous and destructive. He looked over to the other roof down below the, the elevated patio of his palace. And there he saw a beautiful young woman named Bathsheba. She was bathing. And I think somebody had told him that she was there. And, and, and that he, anyway, I, I don't think it was just a perchance thing. I, I, I think that he 
kind of knew about her, and you can kind of read that into some of the story. But anyway, he, he saw her, and he looked, Rahad, Hebrew, he looked longingly. He stared with thought. Now, I preach sometimes a little too long, and when I look at you, you Rahad, you stare, but there is not much thought. But then there's times I preach and I look at you and you're looking, you're rahading back to me and you are looking, you're staring with thought. David was rahading, he was staring with thought. He was calculating. So much so he decided and he made a choice that he would just send for her. I'll just get to know her. We'll just talk. We'll have tea on the portico. It'll be fine. It'll be innocuous. It'll be innocent. It'll be platonic. He got easily distracted. Well, you know how the, the story ends up. Gentlemen, some of you right now, you're hostage to sexual impurities and you have it broken free, and you can't do it on your own. If you could break free on your own, you would have done it a long time ago, and it's time to draw the sword of the Spirit. It's, invite, it's time to invite other spiritual warriors. It's time to allow you to have accountability within a small group setting or a one-on-one -on -one setting where you can break the chain of sexual lusts. And I didn't think that would get a lot of amens. Number one, we don't like to talk about it, do we, men? We, we don't like that area. That's kind of like the dirty little secret we want to keep. And certainly we don't want to tell our princess warriors, but I'm telling you, the woman who loves you the most is the one that you're married to. The one who's going to pray for you the most is the one that you're married to. And there may need to be some honesty in those relationships where you share what is going on in your heart, the lust of the flesh. Then the other one is the lust of the eyes. And it does admittedly mean more than what we're going to talk about today. But one of the ways we can look at it is what we call material lust, what a man does and what a man has. What a man does and, and what a man has and and we think and we buy into the lie that, oh, if I could just have this or that, if I could make that much money, if I could just get this new house, this new car, this new shiny or whatever's newer or better, then I would be happy. But you know what? You can sit yourself in the newest car, but that's not going to change the character of your soul. You can buy the biggest house in downriver area, but that is not going to change the condition of your soul. Your location does not change your disposition. The lust of the eyes. And then he talks about the pride of life. He talks about the, the pride of life. Boasting of what one has and boasting of what one does. It's basically saying, I'm going to be the star of my own show. It's all about me. It's my life, my rules. And if you don't like it, get lost. I'm in control. 
And I like it that way. Now, by the way, the only place, gentlemen, you ought to hold the line on this control thing is the remote control, amen? I gave the remote control one time to my wife, Terry, and she, you wouldn't believe what we did. We watched the entire show all together, commercials and everything. I mean, everything liked to kill me. Don't you want to see what's happening? No. <laughs> Honey, it's just a commercial we've seen. I know. Sweetheart, please. I, I really know. I decided, all right, sister, that's the last time you get the control. That aside, life isn't all about you. But this lust of the flesh and this pride of life makes it all about us. It's what we want. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We wanted to make it about us. And suddenly we start to think that we are all of, of the good things that we've done and all that we've accomplished. And we can call ourselves believers all day long, but not unless we love our Lord, our God, with all of our heart and love others as ourselves. You can call yourself a believer, but you're not really going to be one until you step outside of you and step into God's grace and step into his mercy and make life about others and quit keeping score. And I'm telling you, it is hard not to keep score in this pride of life thing. It's easier in the world to keep score than it is in the church to keep score or spiritually to keep score. I just be real transparent for you. You, 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 you know, you, you, you think that being a pastor would be easy to stay focused and stay on task and stay and not get distracted. I'm telling you, it is easy to get distracted. You know? It's hard not to keep score, you know? I mean, it, here's how it goes. I'll just be a little transparent because here, and I, I, I'm working on it. I'm not nearly as competitive as I used to be, but uh, I get bombarded with all of this kind of thing this, to accomplish more, to achieve more, to conquer more, win, and, and that kind of thing. Because in the church, here's the deal. If things go well in the church, who gets the credit? God. If things go bad, who gets the blame? That doesn't seem like a fair deal to me, but that's just the way it is. I get that. I understand that. And so if I pursue the things of this world, where could be my measure, my compare, my rank, or maybe my win? And that's why so, it's so easily to get distracted. See, guys, if we're not going to admit that it's easy for us to get distracted, that there are a lot of spiritually ADD Christians out there whose eyes we just roam and we're so random, we're just kind of all over the place because we want it to be this pride of life so much about us. We're never going to own up to this serious vulnerability that we have in our heart where the devil knows it and is aware of it and he will constantly attack us and defeat us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? You're here today and you're struggling with one, one of those three areas or all of those three areas. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What do you do? 
you as fast as you can refocus and run to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, let us wait, let us set aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles or distracts us. So, what category of sin are you specifically dealing with? One, two, or all three? of the categories of sins and then specific sins in there, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. See, guys, I think sometimes we let the world kind of push us down. That means being a Christian is being some sissy, kind of laid back, weak spineless person. Oh my goodness. It takes courage. It takes a warrior's heart to fight against these things and to stay focused on Jesus Christ. So I wonder, just for the warriors in the house, just for the warriors, men, would you be honest and say, Pastor, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. There are specific things I'm struggling with in those three broad categories. And I'm through being distracted. I'm through taking little steps away from my God. Today I want to refocus. And I want to walk back to Him. And I wonder with no one looking around, I I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. But I wonder, would you be honest, men? And ladies, you can partner in here too. Would you say, Pastor, I'm struggling in these three categories with specific sins in these three categories, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And oh, please, pray for me. Any warrior, you raise your hand. Man, God bless you. Thank, thank you, guys. And I appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much, ladies. See, see now, when you're aware of an issue, when you're aware of a sin, you can't just let it lie there. It won't just go away. It will keep distracting you unless you cover it with Jesus' forgiveness. So you can do this at an altar or you can do this right there where you sit. But the issue is that you do it. Because if you just leave it, if you just acknowledge it and leave it, you'll still be distracted by it. So you have to acknowledge and defeat it. Not leave it, defeat it. You have to literally beat that thing down to death. And you do it not in your strength, but in the strength of Jesus Christ. And so pray this prayer, dear Jesus... Forgive me of my sin. And then you name it. Name it. It's not a general forgiveness of sin. That's, that's, that's for sinners who are coming to Christ. Believers pray specifically. And so name it. And then tell God, continue the prayer, Lord, I'm done with it. But I need your strength to overcome it. Help me not to be distracted by it. 
but to fight, fight, to fight against it. And to be the warrior of God and the princess warrior that I should be. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You go, man, oh man, pastor, my life is all about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and pride of life. It's all about me and what I get and what I do. And you look at your life and it's just left you hollow. Is there more? Yes, there's more. Because this world and its desires pass away, but... Those whose lives are built on the Lord, man, they live forever. So give Christ your heart. Give Christ your life. Build it on something that will truly last. And how do you do that? Again, it begins with a prayer of acknowledgement of sin and inviting Christ into your heart to deal with it. So if you're lost here today, would you pray this prayer? You realize your life has been built on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and you want to make your heart you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ right now would you pray this prayer dear Jesus forgive me of my sins God all over this room I pray that there's somebody that's lost does not know you as a Lord and Savior they pray this prayer dear Jesus forgive me of my sins I want to build my life on what is right and righteous and eternal and that's you I give you my heart sorry for all of my sins I want to focus on you in Jesus name and I wonder if you're here today and you prayed that prayer nobody's looking around would you just raise your hand quickly anyone here today just gave Christ your heart you prayed the prayer man I'm so glad you're here Would you stand to your feet? Father, may we as warriors not be content to acknowledge sin, but to ask your forgiveness to allow you to cover.